Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a show for 20-somethings that are trying to figure out adulting. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Each episode, we focus on solving a problem that we will face throughout this defining decade that wasn't covered in the classroom. This could include topics about our career, health, relationships, and money. Let's get into it. Hey, you. Thanks for joining me on another episode of The Struggle is Real. I have a spunky personality to introduce you to today. Joining me in the conversation is Jay Kelly Hoey, the author of Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyperconnected World. Along with the book, Kelly's a speaker sought out for her networking insight, and she has some pretty cool accolades as well, including Forbes' One of Five Women Changing the World of VC and Entrepreneurship, Business Insider's One of 100 Most Influential Tech Women on Twitter, and Inc.'s One of 10 Most Well-Connected People in the New York City Startup Scene. And it's crazy to think that Kelly started her career as a corporate lawyer from Toronto. She credits her ability to transform her career to her network, but I'll credit Kelly for her ability to learn such an essential professional superpower so early on in her career. We'll definitely get into her journey on how she began to learn networking building skills. You'll also learn why networking online isn't much different than networking in real life, three areas to focus on if you want to network better, and why the give-give-get archetype is an ideal way to approach networking. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the master networker, startup advisor, and Twitter aficionado, Jay Kelly Hoey. Everyone's heard the whole adage, it's not who you know, um, or it's not what you know, but who you know, but you take this a step further. Can you explain that? I think it's who knows what you know. What do you mean by Uh, that? uh, Well, I think there was a time period where we really thought that, you know, you applied for jobs online or you submitted your resume and you got hired by your, you know, because of your merits. Um, And there's still this sort of underground network of who knows people. And you see people who get jobs or advance because they know someone. And I kind of took a step back and said, well, you know, if you have these great skills and you have these great ambitions and you don't tell anybody about them, if you don't get involved in the community or volunteer or sign up and you don't show your skills, I mean, you can be applying all you want and just get lost in the noise and the jumble of all sorts of other qualified people. So I think it's more important that people know like who you are as a person, what you're interested in, how you're exercising it. So it kind of brings those two things together. It's not who you know or what you know, but how are you demonstrating and being involved in community? So people look at you and say, you know what? I want more of that person in my life, or I want more of their skills in my business. Uh, And that's how you create opportunities for yourself. Mm. And I feel like you recognize this pretty early on in your career. And you actually had this like paradox or what you thought thought were like these fighting, um, uh, fighting, attributes that you needed to excel in your career. And that's both being great technically as a lawyer, but also going out and meeting people and building out your network as well. How did you find marriage between those two? Because often there is the technician that's behind their desk. And as you've mentioned too, any time behind your desk means that's not time outside of your desk meeting new people. Well, I think it's a good question to ask, for people to ask when they're thinking about careers or they're thinking about where their career is going to go next, or maybe they're going to make a pivot, you know, uh, is to ask someone, how am, how is someone successful in your industry? 
or how does someone succeed in your company? And then hear what the answers are, because then you'll start to say, okay, some of this might be about my technical skills, but it's not simply that. There's these other factors at play. I mean, that's where, you know, you sort of say when you're interviewing, people are all concerned about like workplace culture, right? You need to listen to those answers and say, okay, well, what does this mean? So for me, when I was this young attorney out of you know law school back in 1991, I know the stone age for some people, <laughs> uh, I, I quickly realized that there was these two things, as you pointed out, that were intention and how could they be united so that you know, you could actually could succeed and get a night's sleep every once in a while because, you know, uh, the problem with lawyers, as people know, is they build by the hour. So there's this thing about being great at your technical skills and having to put in the time, which would mean for most people overtime. And how do you build relationships when to get the technical skills and, the, and do the client work, you needed to stay at your desk and do the work. And that's where I had the idea and the, the gem and the germ of the idea that, all right, every touch point is a way to build or reinforce a relationship should I choose to engage someone. So how can you leave a better voicemail? How can you start a conversation that isn't just about the work? How instead of I don't know, sitting in your office uh, on the speakerphone, how could you walk down a floor or two in a big office like I worked in and talk to someone for 15 minutes? Okay, maybe it took a 15 minute speakerphone conversation and made it a 25 minute conversation, but it made a better relationship. Or how do you get off, you know, firing back and forth emails or instant messaging with a colleague and pick up the phone true example and completely switch now you know the engagement the, the and and move it into something that when, instead of being angry and hostile came to one of understanding so that's why i'm like take a step back everything you do potentially has a touch point with somebody else and how can you think of that as part of your networking toolkit rather than just some sort of flippant thing or, ah, it's just sending them email. Ah, I just sent them a text. Ah, they said they were doing fine, but I didn't listen. You know, how can we turn those things and think of them as meaningful and engage in them that way? And from listening to you, you almost talk like networking is relationship building, not just meeting new contacts and, and pushing yourself forward through some of those, those um, connections that you make here. Did you learn that pretty early on in your career? Did you know that in the back of your head? Did you go through this whole, like, I'm, I'm just, you know, for a lot of us in, in the 20-somethings, we really look at networking as it means either land a new job or make a sale. Because that's really the two things we're focused on. It's like the people in the sales path are, network, are out networking. We hear about them all the time. They're going to all these things so they can try to find prospects and then the other half of my friends that are primarily engaging in network, it seems like are engaging network whenever they're becoming job seekers. But you're saying it's even bigger than that, um, that these little things that we're doing every single day to build relationships outside of our work context, it could be 
what we do in extracurriculars or a friend of a friend or things like that. You're defining all of that as networking. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct because it's building a network. So let's just sort of think about this, you know, with sort of the, the sales and the job search. So you have a friend who is in sales and they realize that you might know someone that they are have on their prospect list. And they're like, oh, I want to reach out to Justin. And they reach out to you and you're thinking, ah, you know what? You never follow through. Last time we were in that meeting together, you were really rude to that other person. No, I'm not so sure that I want to hand over my relationship, my contacts. I don't think I want my name associated with you. Or take the other one with the job search. You know, someone who reaches out, I, I swear to God, I have a friend from high school and I've already told you when I graduated from law school. So, you know, <laughs> Justin, you know, this was a long time ago. It's like every seven years shows up like they need something. And I'm thinking, really? Never once like a genuine, how are you? Or I'm sorry about this or, you know, what, whatever. I don't block them because I kind of find it like a social science experiment. Let's, you know, like, let's watch, <laughs> let's watch and see when they pop up and what it is this in, in this seven year cycle kind of thing. So you've got to think that networking kind of spans a lot of things, but it, at its, that, that activity, that verb of networking sits within a noun, which is your network. And the important thing is having that network there of people who are responsive. So if you only show up once in a while because you need something, at some point, people are going to, you know, it's like the boy who cried wolf. People are going to turn a deaf ear. If you aren't, if your reputation precedes you because you were that, you know, the person who didn't, you know, deliver when they said they were going to deliver or the, you know, the person who's rude or inconsiderate to others, you know, show up in my email box and I suspect show up in yours and it's going to be, sorry, I can't help you. Mm. And that's why the little things you do every day are so critically important. And what we focus on and what a lot of networking advice focuses on is these, these single isolated instances, like when you walk into an event and meet new people or how you apply for a job. And it's like, yeah, but there's a whole mountain of stuff that you're standing on. And if you're lucky, you're standing on a mountain of strength. Yeah, let's dive a little bit deeper on that. Because before we press record, I was actually telling you a little bit that I feel like the 20 somethings take a lot of heat for um, leaning too much on social media. But you're one of the first people in the networking space that I thought brought a refreshing taste to this idea. Because most of the time, it's you need to take all of your online relationships offline. They're not really relationships until you brought them um, into the offline world or in real life. But you're saying a lot of the actual networking can happen online through things like Twitter. You're quite the, uh, the, the Twitter expert, I would say, and you're very, very active and engaged. And you've actually made a really great relationship through Twitter with someone pretty substantial. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? And I think that will help illustrate this idea a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm glad we're bringing this up because, and I'm glad you said in real life, all of it's in real life, hmm. right? It just might be in real life, in real time on social media, 
or it might be in real life in real time on Zoom, that's still real. Uh, or it might be in the same space, uh, like physical space, you know? So it's all in real life. And, and that's where I think you need to bring who you are, not some polished faux personal brand that you've manufactured, but who you are and treat those digital spaces as, as physical spaces so that you can build genuine relationships. So I know you're referring to uh, the forward to the paperback edition of my book, Build Your Dream Network. And it is written by uh, best-selling author, Tom Peters. For those who don't know who Tom Peters is, he wrote a book called In Search of Excellence, um, a fantastic business book. And it was the best-selling business book for over 40 years. So something like any author can only dream of, <laughs> right? write a book and have it on the bestseller list for 40 years. That'd be kind of, kind of awesome. I would say not 40 weeks, not 40 days, 40 years. Mm. So when I first joined Twitter and I think of Twitter, like it's like the great coffee house or coffee shop or, you know, cocktail party. Um, it's where you can go in and listen to all sorts of different conversations and then sort of being the good listener, the good guest, you can join different conversations. So when I joined Twitter originally, I was really looking at things around management, business development. So I started people talking about those kinds of conversations, find them around the hashtags, find them around what other, other friends are reading and tweeting. And that's how I started following Tom. And that would have been back in, oh my, that would have probably been 2009 somewhere in there. And as I started following Tom and sort of thinking about, all right, if you were in a coffee shop or you were at a cocktail party and someone said something interesting, you might nod, right? Like you're listening to them, you might just kind of go, hmm, okay, right? And you nod your head. Well, how's that different than a like? And then if you thought it was like, really like, wow, this is really interesting. I, I like your point there. Well, that might be a retweet. If you said to other people, wow, we're having a really interesting conversation. I think you've got some viewpoints on it. I think about it somewhere where you're talking to someone and you, you know, kind of yell across the room, hey, you should come and join this. We're talking about this, you know, whatever it is come and join us. This is a really cool conversation. You should be part of this. Or, hey, Joe, we were just talking about you. Or Jacqueline, come on over here. We're, we're talking about this. You should be part of this. Well, that seems to me like a retweet with a comment. Mm. Okay, so I started doing that. At some point, Tom starts to follow me. And at some point, we're just having, like, it's just part of a banter. Like, hey, this is a good point, Tom. Well, thanks, Kelly. You know, like, you know, like that, that kind of like you would if you were standing next to someone. So he's, I'm watching what he's doing. He's clearly watching what I'm up to because in the fall of 2016, so what are we now, 2009 to 2016, he, um, mentioned, he direct messages me. Oh, no, he tweeted, sorry, he tweeted me and said, by the way, just pre-ordered your book. Okay, so my jaw drops. I'm like, okay, Mr. Best-selling author, you know, I guess you write a best-selling business book and you got nothing else to do but read other people's books. No, he's written like 20 books. So <laughs> I'm, I'm being very, very sarcastic, very facetious there. So I was like, what are you talking about? So I direct message him and I'm like, Mr. Peters, like, 
like what I'm, I'm like, thank you. Like I am, first of all, you pre-ordered it. Second of all, you told the world that you pre-ordered mm. it. Like, thank you. Like, you don't know what that means for a new author. This is amazing. And then I said, but by the way, we have the shit same publisher. So I probably could have gotten them to send you one. And I mentioned to him that I was reading his latest book. So we agreed we would exchange books. So he sent me his book signed. I sent him my book signed. And then first year of my book, 2017. I know the story seems long, but that's a big point on this because you got to get this timeline of like, when do you make an ask? And, and when is it, you know, because I think one of the things with social media is we just, we assume because we can like something or we can follow someone or, you know, whatever, that we can immediately jump in and say, hey, can you do this for me? And it's like, hold on, I don't know you from, you know, random strangers standing behind me in a Starbucks line. Mm -hmm. But if we've been chatting for a while. So Tom, um, I reached out to him in late 2017 when I got news from my publisher, our publisher, that um, my book was going to go to paperback because it came out in hardcover when I was going to paperback. And that's kind of a big deal that they see enough potential and momentum in a book that it would go to the other format. And so I direct messaged Tom and I said, I just heard my book's going to paperback. And he's like, that's amazing. And then there's another direct message from him. He said, who's writing the foreword? And I'm like, the book doesn't have a foreword, Tom. And he's like, that's not the question, Ms. Hoey. And I'm like, oh, is the question, Tom, will you write the foreword to the paperback edition of my book? And he's like, yes, I'd love to. What's the deadline? Uh, so, you know, so there's, you know, when you unpack it, like you can use digital tools. Think of them as human spaces, not just think of them as avatars and whatever. And yes, there's celebrity accounts and there's brand accounts and all that kind of stuff. But most of the people you want to engage with are human beings. So you remember behind that avatar, behind that post, there's a human being, engage with the human being, you know, jump in the comments, make comments, like have a dialogue, think of it. And if you need to, like me, think of it as a physical space, do that. Understand that it takes time to make a relationship. So just because you have one amazing conversation, I had a guy do this to me on Twitter recently. He was like, it was, it was like overboard. And he was like, whoa, I was like, dude, you say, you know, about networking back off. This is like too much in the face. Like the people, the people that I'm, you know, commenting and stuff with, I've known for years, like, this is not just, Hey, we're all buddies now. Like slow down, slow down here. Right. Um, just so understand it's, it's, you're dealing with humans, understand that we're messy, weird creatures. If you haven't clued in on that yet. And some of us may be your best friend tomorrow. And some of us may, it may take three, four, five, six years, right? To build up that trust, which still underlines our human relationships. And then, you know, some of this, when there's not a particular ask, you know, this is where like the serendipity at some point, you know, someone will step up and say, hey, I can do that for you. Or, you know, here's how I know this person. Oh, hey, how do I know Justin? You know, he did this. Here's how he prepared for the podcast interview. Here's what he's, he's done with my book. 
uh, yes, I've only had two conversations with him and one was on a podcast, but here's what I feel about his character based on all these other little touch points. Mm. So anyway, that's the, that's the Tom story. Oh, and the other part of the Tom story is um, we are, I consider him a good friend. I consider him a mentor. Um, he, you know, sends me books that he thinks I should read every once in a while. Yes, no, other authors' books, not his own books. Uh, and he and I have met once physically in real life. I'm not going to say in real life because we phone call and like, you know, I'll call Tom and he's like folding the laundry and we're having a conversation. So it's physically in real life we went met once. Mm. And the beauty of it was, and this would have been in... 2017 um it was it was all those years of tweets it, it, it was like it was meeting a long lost friend it was it was we, we could talk in more than 140 or 100 or 280 characters which was kind of good um we could both be a little saltier than we are on twitter which was good because no one was retweeting us and but otherwise it was the same person there was no Right. It, it, it was it was amazing, like meeting this person physically and not having that kind of social awkwardness that, you know, sometimes happens when you meet person, someone for the first time. It is so true. Um, it, it, I think the important piece here is if you are going to see online spaces as just an extension of physical spaces, you need to show up as relatively the same person in each one of those. Obviously, there's a little bit of difference between networking in the online versus offline space. I totally get that. Um, but, 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 but but it's context, right? Yes. Think yes. about it. Like if Twitter's the cocktail party or the Starbucks or the student union building or, you know, whatever, um, you know, LinkedIn is the office. Mm -hmm. My first career was a lawyer. When I get on LinkedIn, when I'm thinking about a post on LinkedIn, when I'm thinking about what I want to read and see on LinkedIn, and I, I go back to the office of the early 90s, which you're like, oh dear. I mean, <laughs> we're talking blue suit and pantyhose and pumps. Like I am, I'm like, everything's starched, right? There's a, there's a, and there's a more of a formality to it, right? So I think more think about context and yes, there's nuances with digital, but I think where we can really move ahead in building relationships, knowing that after the events of the last 18 months, digital is going to be here to stay, whether it is for initial interviews for jobs, whether it is team meetings with dispersed teams, whether it is a replacement for sales meetings or initial pitches, it's gonna be a substantial part as opposed to a Band-Aid stopgap measure when we thought we wouldn't be where we are after 18 months. Mm -hmm. And so the more you can be human in those physical space, those digital spaces, the more you can think about when I enter a Zoom meeting how would I do this if I was walking into a conference room? Would I arrive five minutes late, distracted with, you know, paying attention to everything else other than the meeting? Would I say hello to my colleagues or would I not say, like, think of and use them that way. And the more you do that, I think the more value other than likes and retweets and other vanity social metrics, the more meaning you will get out of those tools.
So you brought up a few things during that answer to it. And I think it's going to bring us to this archetype that you call, I believe it's the give, give, get person. Um, and I like the on I like the online space actually. I like following people that I've met um on the online space because it's a good way to just be looking from afar what's happening in someone's life. The the hardest thing with me with networking for me, I feel like, is filling the gap in between meetings. It's I, I don't want to send mm-hmm. the endless um how have you been text or emails or or voice memos how do you do that by the way I'm, I'm kind of curious how do you stay connected if you don't have like a prompt or something to engage with someone well that's that's having you just said the word the prompt and that's where social is so handy so that you could you know watch and listen that it might raise something up it's also why your greatest networking tool you know, are your ears and your eyes, mm-hmm. right? Probably your ears first. Because if you're really listening in on conversations, that's where you can pick up and that will give you ideas for a prompt to reach out to someone so that you're not just reaching out and going, hey, how you doing? You know, subtext, do you have a job for me? Or you know, like, you know, like, hey, do you want to, you know, you know what I mean? Um, so, or in the case of us, you know, we go back to that getting a job or getting sales, even salespeople know that sometimes even though you may have the best product to sell someone else, they aren't moving from the product they have because of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So you're like, rather than writing them off, you're like, okay, I'm going to keep an eye on them. And I'm going to have a little touch point every once in a while. And I might see that they, uh, their company won an award. So I'll just let them know that that's fabulous. Or I might see that they're really proud that their kid got into a certain school. And you're like, I'm going to congratulate them on that. Or you might see, you know what you mean? You just watch and you will find naturally find real human prompts. Or in the case of a job search, you know, this is where listening what the other people are interested in so that you can say, oh, remember, I remembered in our conversation, you mentioned you were really interested in this aspect of crypto. Um, I found this article, this is what it had to say, thought you'd be interested in it. Don't assume someone's read that article or, you know, like done those things. And all of a sudden being interested in that other person, that might create that prompt. And that is, as you pointed out, you know, this kind of the give before you get in networking, that's a really good give. I also think for, if we can talk about this, this give, get, give, give, get the three G's, um, if we can um, talk about it for me, because I think it's really important for people younger in their career because they often feel they don't have anything to give. True. They're stuck. You know, I know you have well-meaning parents and relatives and, you know, people with gray hair like me um, in your lives who are giving you well-meaning advice. I just want you to, you know, flush a lot of it down the toilet because I don't think it serves any of us. We often think in networking, like if, if Justin gives me a podcast interview, I therefore must give him a podcast interview. Let's, it like has to be the equal exchange, right? Like the same thing, you know, kind of Hannibal's law, eye for an eye, you know, kind of thing. It's like time out, right? Life is hopefully long for all of us. You will find things that are authentic and real rather than trying to force something. So your give at this point, when you're feeling that you don't have 
the same power imbalance, like the, the power's out of balance. You don't have the same resources to give something that, that you know, someone gives you a great job lead, right? What, what's your give in that situation? This is where you're acknowledging what they've done. This is where you let them know what happens with that interview, that information, whatever it is they've done for you, you keep them in the loop on that very thing. And then by doing that, the door remains open with them and probably opens up further or it opens up new doors because they want to help you more. So let me give you an example of someone who got this wrong, because it's always helpful when we pick apart the stuff where people got, got it wrong. And this would be um, an early career 20 something who got some help from a mentor, uh, someone who was happy to make an introduction. And then they emailed again, asking for a different introduction. At that point, their mentor emailed me, frustrated, Re like someone who loves to help, but as the mentor, as someone who is in a position with a lot of contacts and ability to help, her warning signs were going off. Why? Because this person just appeared to be on the track and appeared to be on the habit of just coming to saying, hey, hey, Justin, can you, here's what I need. Can you get it for me kind of thing? No acknowledgement of the help they'd received previously. No update or follow through on what they had done with the original information or introduction. Nothing. Just kind of like an ATM, you know, like someone going to an ATM, just putting in their card, you know, asking for 20 bucks and walking away, right? So your give at this point in your career is to really respect and honor the, the contacts, the advice, the resources of someone you're going to. And the way you respect and honor that is you stay in touch. You yeah. send a thank you note because that's what kind, decent human beings do then you let them know what happened. Hey, I, you know, those, that course you recommended at, you know, the University of Austin, I've signed up for it. I'm going to be in the fall term. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for making that recommendation. You start the class. Hey, guess what? I just started the class. This is the textbook we're reading. And so funny, noticed on the reading list, that article you told me to read three months ago, right? You're not asking them for doing anything, but you're keeping them in the loop. And this is also how you convert, I don't know, this is how you convert a casual relationship into a mentoring relationship. This is where you end up with a champion for life. And at your point in your career, more senior, you know, gray-haired people like me, why are we reaching back down to help? Because someone did it for us. Mm. We're not asking necessarily for anything in return other than just to know that the advice and the guidance we're giving you, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's helpful. So there's a long answer on that one, but I think it's really important because I, my concern is too many young people hesitate to reach out and ask for help because they've read somewhere that they have to, you know, 
if someone gives, you know, gives this to you, if someone gives you an introduction or someone gives you a job lead, gosh, you've got to do that for them. And they, this, this power imbalance, um, which can really stymie us if we hold on to that old notion of networking, can prevent us from getting the help we need rather than saying, okay, I realize at this point in my career, what I've got to give is my interest, my intention, my consideration, my thoughtfulness, um, my ability to keep someone up to date on what I'm doing. There's my, there's, there's my you know, this give for all the stuff that I'm getting. For sure. And um, having that in your back pocket is awesome, but also not ruling yourself out that you can't help them tangibly at some aspect of their life either. You know, maybe they have a kid that's about to go to college and they've never went to college before and they don't know how to go about applying for college. Guess what? You can help them with that. <laughs> right. Or, or you see that they have um, posted an update on LinkedIn about something on in their business and you comment on it because we all know comments on posts on LinkedIn, you get enough of those and LinkedIn's algorithm just sucks that up and says, well, this is great. Let's, let's push this up, right? Or you share that information, right? Now you're helping them. It may seem to some people a frivolous thing, but you know, as you know, and I know, we're not blogging and tweeting and posting because we got nothing else to do, right? We want people to have this information. We want it to be helpful. And so you can do those things for them, or you can watch and observe what else they're up to and say, hey, I see you're posting a lot of stuff online um, about your company. Um, I got some ideas because, uh, hey, I'm that digital generation. You remember you helped me about how I could navigate an in-person interview? Well, I know a lot about digital. If I, you know, can I, I, I'm happy to offer you a couple of pointers that could get your posts more likes. Like there's something helpful to someone. Mm. Um, or in the case I had a instance with an intern, I mean, like, like go back to where we started earlier in this conversation. I mean, hopefully for most of us, life is long. Um, I had an intern four years later, she's working at Google. My book is coming out this four years later, we've stayed in touch, you know, little career conversations here and there. She reaches out and said, would it be helpful for you to do a talk at Google around your book? Because I can, you know, propose it and help make that happen. Wow. So I think there were, you know, in some people's minds, there might have been a time that if you weren't the gray haired fool in the corner office with the fancy title and the big card, you were not worth networking with or schmoozing with or whatever other analogy, this will keep the podcast clean, but kissing someone's, you know what? <laughs> um, but now opportunities could come from anywhere. Right, you don't know, you know, who's running a business, who's a CEO. It, you know, we're we're at a point. And it's absolutely awesome. I'm sitting here, you know, we're recording this on Zoom, so I can see your face. I mean, either of us could be the CEO of a billion dollar company. It used to be, it had to be, you know, you sort of have a picture of, you know, a white male of a certain age was the only person who, you know, and that that certain age was more closer to my age than your age. <laughs> but now, who knows? We've also, because of social media, you know, the curtain has been pulled back on who is within our networks. Because all of us bring 
complexity, not just the person, you know, not just us, not just the one dimension of the person in front of you, they bring great complexity. So who's to say that that lowly intern, you know, isn't connected to a whole lot of people that could be helpful to whatever you're doing. So, um, you know, your help can come from anywhere. It could be anyone. And I just kind of keeping your eyes and ears open and operating that way, I think is just good standard operating procedure. Agreed. And I think we'll get into more great standard operating procedures. I love this phrase you use in the book pretty often, and it's stop committing random acts of networking. And then you go on to lay out this better plan for networking. And it's pretty straightforward and simple, but I think almost all three of these topics are can be missed or overlooked in some capacity. And you say, know what you want, know who to ask for and getting what you want, and then know how to ask for that help. So first, knowing what you want. This is tough. I, I actually, I, I think this is probably my weakest link out of the three, because I feel like I have a, I often make these big unfocused networking ask, like, especially with the podcast, it's like, hey, if you know someone that would be great for the podcast, let me know. Like, And then you're like, hmm, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people that could probably share part of their wisdom, but like, what is good for you and what's good for your audience? <laughs> Can you talk a yeah. little bit more on this, this particular point? Yeah, let's unpa- there's a lot here. So here's one of the things I think with networking, young people, older people, but let's focus on your audience. You're told to go out and network. So what do you do? You go and sign up for something. Mm-hmm. You go to career fair, right? You know, you're like, oh, I'm told to go out and network, right? And you're like, oh, I got to go meet with strangers, you know, and you run off and doing an activity. Mm-hmm. And doing that activity, you hope that you're going to meet some people that will help you do whatever it is that you're doing that you were told you have to network to do. So in my mind, the equation is wrong. Like the process that couldn't like, like a marketing funnel or a sales funnel. We got the funnel. We oh, we got to flip this. Right. So I say, stop committing random, random acts of networking where, cause I'm like, stop, stop thinking about the activity you're going to do in the hopes that you'll meet someone or, or people or engage with people who will help you reach a goal. Let's think about your goal first. And a goal could be broken into sub goals. Like I've had the networking to get a new job. Okay, I wanted to get a new job. All right, let me think for a while. What are the things I could possibly do? Okay, let me explore these three. Who do I know that may do one of these three? Do I know someone who does it directly? If not, is there someone indirectly who could put me in touch with someone who does that? So I could ask them about their job. Okay, now that I've narrowed in over those three alternatives on this particular one. Let me go and talk to some people more deeply about what they did to get that one job. That's the process so that you funnel and narrow it down. So when you're thinking about your goal, you kind of get clarity on where you need to spend your time and the types of people you need to be around. And by focusing on your goal first, you can also think about the network you already have. Because another fundamental mistake is we run around thinking we only have to meet with new people. Whereas you might have that resource 
right there, like arm's distance. Someone who knows you, they've been to school with you, you had summer jobs together, you went to camp together, they know you. They want to see you succeed. They want to help you. And if they don't, you're hanging with the wrong people. But that's a different <laughs> podcast and a different conversation. Um, but that's an, you're there, what's your networking in that situation? No, you're picking up the call phone or you're sending an email and saying, hey, uh, this is what I'm going through right now. And this is what I'm looking to do. And I could really use your help. And they're like, you got it. I've been there for you. So let's go. That, that, isn't that easier than running around thinking you're going to meet some strangers where you got the support right there. And if you start with the goal, then thinking about the people, the act of networking, the, the, that verb, the busy work of networking becomes about the other person. Because one of your things with networking is to be heard. And so you've got to think about, well, what, how can I be heard by the other person? And that's not necessarily, you know, tweeting in all caps. Uh, it's thinking about, all right, what's important to them? What's going on in their life? What do I know about them or what can I deduce because I've gotten some information, either in my own research or talking to other people, where I can make an ask that gets me what I need. So let me, in a sarcastic way, you know, people often reach out and say, you know, can I meet you for coffee to kind of pick your brain kind of stuff, right? What are you really looking for there? You're not looking for having a cup of coffee. You're looking for an answer. So why don't you think about, right, how do I ask a question in a way that will get me my answer? I don't need it over coffee. I don't need it over Zoom. I need an answer. So I need to ask the question in the right way. And then let me leave it to the other person to decide how to deliver the answer. So wait, can you, makes, yeah, that, can you bring that into saying, a real world example? Say the coffee example, let's, let's take a step back. What's a better way to word that? Well, like if you, for example, like say someone reached out to me and said, oh, Kelly, your career looks really interesting. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to pick your brain over coffee and, mm -hmm. and talk to you about it. My reaction would be no, uh, um, but what part of my career? Becoming a bankruptcy lawyer part of my career? The moving to New York part of my career? The manager of Like what part of it, all right? Um, or if someone said, well, you made all those career changes. I, I'm really interested in that. I'd say, here's read from this page to this page in my book, right? So now you're seeing like all the, like do all of that work before so that you can, someone could reach out and they could say, Kelly, I've read about your career. And this is all really interesting, but here's the part I still don't understand. How precisely did you come to co-found a startup accelerator? And why did you do that? Because I saw something later that you said that it was the stupidest thing you ever did. And so I'm, re I'm really wondering about that. And if I got that question, I would probably just say to someone, you know what, let's jump on a call or a Zoom because I can't put this in an email because it's, 
I'm going to go rambling off somewhere. Uh, but, or if someone said to me, Kelly, you know, I've, I've given um, your book to my, my kid who's just graduating from high school and um, they're going off to college. And um, I, just really thinking about, you know, as a young person and networking and, you know, I know they're going to read your book and I know you get your podcast, but it would really be helpful. Like if you could, I'd probably say to them, why don't you listen to my interview, get them to interview with my interview with Justin. And then after that one, let me know if there's some questions, you know, so it gives me the power to get you your answer in a way that works for me. And you respecting that means now we have a stronger connection rather than someone who's like, oh, I'd like to meet you for coffee. And I say no. And they're like, oh, <laughs> well, that's fine then. Right. And I'm like, well, you just cut that off. I'm not chasing you. You got, you asked me for this. Right. So, and I think, I, you know, you've read my book. This is advice that, you know, I was published back in 2017 originally. And thank goodness it still holds true. But I think this idea of really respecting the other person's life and what is going on and understanding that in your in networking, you're looking for answers. You just need to ask better questions. I think this advice is critically important right now because everyone's life is in turmoil, hmm. right? You, you know, you don't know, someone might've had all the time in the world when their kids could get to school or, or be in daycare or when they didn't have the stress of managing a global team because everyone got dispersed and their company they worked for said, you know what, we're gonna stay remote. And now they're up all hours in, you know, because of all the different time zones, whereas before everyone went into their office in Charlotte, North Carolina or whatever, you know what I mean? So you have to kind of think, ah, oh, right. So think about what your end goal is. I want an answer. Hmm. So how do I ask a better question to get my answer? Fair. Let's change conversation here and talk about something I don't really know the answer to, but how did a blog post turn into you going to the PGA championship? Many times and pissing off many golfers, including my father. I wrote, a, and so this is like, you know, maybe this is, goes back to where we started this conversation. It's not who you know or what you know, who knows what you know. I wrote a blog post on a career site um, about like getting your career skills in the room. And early in my career, after working on a large um, bankruptcy and insolvency uh, matter in Canada, the, my mentor at the time, he sat me down for lunch afterwards and said, do you like the work you're doing? I said, yes. He said, do you notice anything about the people who do this work? And I said, yes. I was probably 24 at the time. Um, I said, yes. I said, they all look like you, um, old white guy in his late fifties. And he said, yes and we all play golf. The question is, Kelly, do you play golf? And I looked at him, I said, I guess I'm gonna learn. Because what he had revealed to me was, this is the networking room we play in. He could have said to me, we're all into Mahjong or we're all bridge players or we all, you know, I know we live in Toronto, Kelly, but we all cheer for the Montreal Canadiens. Like it could have been anything. It just happened to be golf. 
So I wrote a blog post that kind of shared this insight, right? That, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Like the question to ask people is how do you succeed, right? How do you succeed in this industry? How are relationships made? Just happened to be in Toronto in the bankruptcy bar in the early nineties. It was on the golf course. And so I learned how to play golf because I wanted to, my career, my skill set, I wanted it in the right room because I wanted to succeed at that. And so I learned to play golf. So I published this as a blog post. And it was, I think it was three, four, five years later. Yeah, the PGA, they found the blog post. And really? they were, yeah, they, and they were doing a series of, um, in connection with PGA championships, they were doing um, uh, seminars and um, a kind of like all day kind of conference things uh, for women entrepreneurs, women business leaders, women in business. Um, I would say women and minorities, fastest growing category of, of uh, people picking up golf clubs. And so really wanting to do things. And so it was sort of networking and professional development tied into these championships. And, you know, we had this sort of, you know, full day event that involved, yes, it involved some golf, it involved some access to players and golf courses and parts of the PGA championship other people didn't get access to. Like I said, much to the annoyance of all my friends who are really fabulous golfers. Um, but that they found it because they searched the net and there was this blog post and they said, we think we need to know you because your advice is tying in with initiative that we have. So Kelly, as we're concluding this conversation, I want to ask you a couple blitz networking questions. First thing is this concept of be the host. What do you mean by that? Why could this be a potential strategy um, introverts or people that are fairly new to a group could use when going to an in-person event? Yeah, anyone going to an in-person event can be intimidating. So pretend you're the host of the party because then you're worried about how everybody else is feeling. Then you're, then you're focused on ways that you can guide and direct other people. And it's just a really good way to kind of, you know, trick your brain into being less anxious. And one more here, what's the right way to introduce people? Because I know you hate the phrase, you two should know each other. So what's an alternative to that? <laughs> no, because, you know, and that really relates to people sending an email unannounced saying, oh mm -hmm. my God, you two should know each other. No, no, no. Always ask first. Because we may need to know each other but it might be bad timing. So uh, what you could do is you could say, you know, you and I talking today, I could say, oh man, I know someone who'd be an awesome guest. I'm going to tell them about the podcast. I'm going to tell them who the audience is. I'm going to tell them about how well prepared you are. Uh, and then I'm going to ask them, you know, hey, I know you're trying to get your book or your product or whatever in front of that audience. Do you want an introduction to, to Justin? And I'll wait and hear what they say back to me. I'll also say to you, listen, I've, I've reached out to someone. This is their background. Um, you know, if there's an interest, if they're interested, or if it would be good for you, I'm just assuming because we've had this conversation, it would be good because, but who am I to have all the answers? And once I kind of get buy-in on both sides, then I'll make the introduction. And then I'll say, 
hey, I've had, you two should know each other. I'll say it, but I'll say it more like, I've talked to you each separately, so I will not make this a long detailed introduction. As a reminder, this is who Justin is. As a reminder, this is who so-and-so is. I'll let you guys take it from here and I hope this is a productive conversation. But just dropping someone in someone's inbox or LinkedIn, oh, it's like even you were rolling your eyes, like some yep. of those. And I've had one where literally we were like, uh, I said to the person, so how can I help you? And they're like, I don't know. Uh, the, the other person said that we should meet each other. And I'm like, so we're both awkwardly sitting in each other's inbox wondering why the heck we're there. <sighs> yeah. So what happens now, the person who made the introduction, it's like, you're dead to me. Like, yeah. I, I cannot, I now cannot trust anything that you put in my inbox. Everything now is going to have this cloud and that's your danger. Mm. Kelly, it's been so much fun talking to you. So <laughs> if people can- I'm really hoping, you know what I'm really to interrupt, what I'm really hoping is that your audience has so many questions and they send them into you, that they go crazy with this podcast episode and they're like, oh my God, this is some, uh, but I've got more questions, but I've got more questions, but I've got more questions. So that you and I get to do this again, because this has been so amazing. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a super fan of your podcast, of you, like, yes. So if you're listening to this and it's helpful, please tell us you need more. Yes. Agree. <laughs> agree. And good thing is that you have a lot of answers out there. You have a podcast of your own. You obviously wrote a book. Um, your website is J Kelly Hoey and Hoey is H O E Y.co. So they can go out there. They can find links out to your social media. You're very active on, on Twitter and some of the other platforms. You have tons of resources out there. People want some of the specifics on things. Actually, I'm an audio learner myself, so I really enjoyed your podcast. They're like seven to eight minutes long, a very fo focused topic. I actually have a conference coming up, not next weekend, the following weekend. I listened to the one on um, uh, networking around conferences, and that was super helpful. I got a game plan put in place now for my conference, so super excited about that. But how about you tell them a little bit about the book, what their expectation would be if they went out and picked it up? Well, hopefully they'll find it as useful as lots of people have. And hopefully it'll give you some inspiration and ideas on your own challenges. There's case studies, there's roadmaps, there's uh, visuals, because I'm a visual learner. Uh, and, you know, it's the kind of book that you should crack the spot. Instead of it's a library book, don't do this. <laughs> but if it's your own copy, crack the spine, Pull your highlighter out, grab some sticky notes, because it seems to be a book that lots of people write in and take notes. And what else I'd like if they take away from reading this book? I'd like you, I want to know what your aha moment is, because I still learn more on what other people are learning about networking as they tell me what parts resonate with them. So yeah. And I really do hope this conversation just gave people the courage to go out and start networking. It doesn't have to be perfect. I know we talked about a lot of things that are like, don't do this because this is bad practice. But honestly, if you don't get out there and start trying some things anyway and learning some of the bad practices on your own and hopefully learning from the things that, that you are sharing, Kelly, as well, you're never going to progress forward in terms of networking. So get out there and do something. Yep. Get out. I mean, listen, you're already out there doing something. Be interested in what you're doing. Mm. So 
those committees, uh, those volunteer work, your part-time job, you know, your paper route, whatever it is, you know, when someone says, hey, how are you? Lean into that conversation. Don't just flick it off. So um, you're already networking, just turn it up a notch. Yes, agreed. Kelly, my final question for you. (laughs) If you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you teach and how would you teach it? Oh, I would teach it on relationship building. Tell me more. The sooner you can, I think I teach it on networking, you know, the build your dream network way uh, in terms of building that lifelong relationship because that's your career support. That's your plan B for the career that doesn't work out. And I think between, um, you know, the, the real life case studies of things that people are going through and questions they have. But I also think um, I would send people out and I'm thinking of a class I took in university where we had to go out and do like field studies. Uh, and I would want to send people out without their mobile phones uh, to go and watch and observe. Um, and think about the interactions and think about the dynamic um and what it is they're feeling about those things um so yeah um uh, and i think interactions where you would be involved with people of i want to say different dynamics and what it all means about you know kind of building those relationships because you know that's relationships are critical you know technology is going to change um you know jobs are going to change uh but what is really evident and it has been evident for a while, but I think, you know, the, the last 18 months have really showed us, you know, other people matter uh, and we need to find a way to connect meaningful. So meaningfully. So that's what I would, that's what I would teach. I would like, I would like a class of graduating seniors to have the benefit of my hindsight and more skills going into their careers versus the stuff I had to kind of fumble and figure out. Mm. I think that would be an amazing class to, te- to teach. I would sign up for that class right away. I'd be super excited for that. Uh, probably a little bit intimidated and maybe a little bit scared, um, but it, it sounds like a very, very useful class. So, oh, I think you'd ace it. I think you'd ace it. <laughs> this would, I think, and I, you know what? And I would grade this class. I would grade if it was a class for grades. I would grade it like a law professor. I had everyone got an A. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Really, yeah, everyone I'm definitely started, signing up for that class. Uh, yeah, everyone. I think he said everyone started with an A, and all you had to do was like do the work and show up and engage in the class and be part of it. But he he was like, "You're all in third year law. Let's take the stress off. You're all getting an A." And it was it was an amazing class, and probably got more out of it because he did that. Mm-hmm. Dang. Well, Jay. <laughs> Kelly, Hoey, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was an absolute blast to talk to you. And hopefully I will see you back here soon. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this conversation today, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified about new episodes. If you want to connect with me, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. You can find show notes with links to everything we discussed today at justinpeters.co. This episode was produced by Gabby Dimeke. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Thanks for tuning in.